Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. This is Make It Plain. Make It M-I-P. With Masamela Mark Thompson. Make It Get woke. Ladies and gentlemen, a special edition of Thursday Coast on a Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, or as many of you know, I like to call it Thanksgiving, as long as they have that image of the pilgrims and the native americans that ain't really the way it went down um but i hope i hope everyone uh had a safe holiday nonetheless and you listen to marcos to me last week we told everybody stay home anyway so i hope some of you all listen to us in fact i heard from a couple of friends marcos i was listening to you all i don't want to stay home i want to travel i'm like well you need to listen to marcos to me okay so um uh, and and actually, I checked I, people's minds. Yeah, yeah, I did. A couple of people got mad at me, and I said, "Listen, Marcos now was serious. I sent him a couple of articles to read, and a couple of people changed their mind. They decided to stay home after they, they wanted to go visit elderly relatives too. I said, no, especially oh, not. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, relatives, you know, I'm seeing a lot of people say crap like they were saying crap like this might be the last year we see them. It's like, you're actually increasing the odds dramatically that yeah. this is the last year you see them if yeah. you do this. Um, I, so many people didn't listen. They didn't care, which is too bad. Um, yeah. yeah. But I was home with my two kids. Like, we didn't go anywhere. Right, right. Well, this, this has been a lesson in who you can stand to spend um, time around in your household folks. So I know everybody's got cabin fever, getting everybody's getting on each other's nerves, been a test of marriages and relationships. So, um, you know, but we'll, we'll, we'll get through it finally. And uh, Marcos, um, the transition, the, the ascertainment 
ascertainment, whatever it is, has begun, transition has begun. Um, but it still sets back anything that could have happened quickly or efficiently in terms of either a vaccine or anything else to curb this this COVID. Trump is this is really scorched earth. It's um yeah, uh, a lot of economic devastation, over a quarter million dead, and the numbers are just, they're going to be um, mind-numbing in the next couple of months. I mean, we're going to probably seeing 3,000 a day. I wouldn't be surprised if we start hitting those numbers. And, you know, the thing that just infuriates me about it all is that all people have to do is wear a freaking mask. And those first few months, we didn't know that, right? So when New York and New Jersey and Connecticut, when they were getting hit hard, Early in a pandemic, they didn't know the best way to treat people. They didn't know about, you know, that masks. They thought that since virus can get through cloth, that it would work. That's not why the mask works, right? It's because it keeps your spit from from spreading out. And it's such a simple fix. I mean, you could reopen things more safely. You could have a broader economic uh, reopening. But because of that a-hole that still is entrenched in the White House and still refuses to admit defeat, uh, turned into a culture war issue. And so many people have died over the most, I I just can't even fathom. I mean, they wear seatbelts, right? Why can't they wear a freaking mask? Like why did mask become the symbol of tyranny and wearing a helmet on a a motorcycle or wearing a seatbelt is not? Yeah, it's insane. Now, I'm just, I took a glance at civics with a Q. Um, how concerned are you about coronavirus update as uh, coronavirus outbreak, I'm sorry, in your local area? Uh, 43% of respondents on civics as of November 22nd, extremely concerned. Um, is, is how... So that's so election day was 36%. All right, so people are they're getting they're realizing that uh it's going up. <laughs> that that it's going up. There was Mark, you probably saw this. There was this whole conspiracy theory on the right that and we talked about it that the the Democrats talking about the coronavirus was just a campaign ploy like it, like you know one of the Republican BS things like the Honduran caravan right. and that they kept saying things like I can't wait till after the election we won't have to wear masks anymore thinking that we were like totally full of it. And, you know, while at this point, you know, it's, it's really crazy, Mark, is that most of the cities are buttoned down, right? I mean, yeah. you go to Atlanta, people are wearing masks. You go into New York and San Francisco, they're wearing masks. Blue areas are wearing masks. It's it's getting to the, the red counties, right? So we liberals are screaming at conservatives to not, to not each other. And they think it's some kind of conspiracy to deny them their freedoms to not wear a cloth until we have a vaccine. And we haven't even started dealing with the anti-vaxxers. You know, that's going to be a freaking issue because you need a certain percentage of people to have the vaccine to, to start reaching uh, herd immunity. So it's not even a question of you, you take your vaccine, you're done. You can take your mask off. You can't even do that. Not until about 60% of people have taken the vaccine. And there is a good chunk of people that are going to refuse, you know, they're going to refuse and it's going to drag this thing out much longer than it needs to be. Yeah. And, and it's going to, and it won't just be the anti-vaxxers. I mean, anytime something this new comes out this quickly, 
people are going to have some apprehension about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's natural, even even folks who aren't necessarily anti-vaxxers. Plus, in in the African American community, and I even I was on a a, a, a panel yesterday um, with Janet Maguia of Unidos, and she even said that there are those within the Latinx community who are already having apprehension about a vaccine. So, you know, and I think you find in the minority communities because there's been such a history. Ah, the history of it, yeah, for sure. So it's it's not it, it's it's not good just the way and, and you have to that's an evolving process too. So imagine if this was even early, we were much further along on the masks, much further along on the vaccine. We won't even get into because the biggest problem is going to be the there's the infrastructure the infrastructure for delivery of the vaccine does not exist because Trump will not allow it to exist. So even if they came up with it today, we got it. We still have to wait till January 20th for Biden to get in to build an infrastructure for delivery because Trump is just not going to do it. I hope people understand if he had been reelected, how many more people would die because he wasn't going to do masks. He wasn't going to do anything. He he's there. It's not just that he's evil and racist, but his administration is incompetent. There are not intelligent people who actually work other than Dr. Fauci. There aren't people you, you need engineers and scientists and logistical experts. How well, they got Jared. <laughs> they got Jared Kushner. <laughs> right. Who's a wonderkin. And he puts he's registered to vote as a woman. He didn't even know what he is. You know, and if you trans, listen, this is 2020. You can be trans <laughs> and say it. And we'll, you know, I mean, okay, we'll deal with that. But, you know, what he's, are you doing? So he's I mean, alien. He's alien. I don't know what he is. Shape, a moral psychopath. Shape-shifted. Um, good news is over 750,000 absentee ballot um, collected or requested, I should say, in Georgia. While you heard about, have you heard about what Roger Stone is doing? He yes. Is. Yes. Go so ahead, I'm, Roger. I'm, about. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally obsessed with uh, hanging out in, in right-wing websites and getting reading the comments. Because I'm, I'm just enjoying that, the conservative tears. It's great schadenfreude. But there's definitely a movement to... to um, to I mean, they want to write Donald Trump in. They're too stupid to realize that it's a runoff election. There are no write-ins. I mean, it's just you get two options and, and that's it. I mean, I guess they can write whatever they want, spoil the ballot. That works too. But there is there is there is a story on Breitbart where um, Don Jr. had tweeted that like, no people, we gotta we gotta vote for Lofler and, and Purdue, and the comments were like vicious. Like they are pissed. And Breitbart, you know, conservative media sort of split. You have the outlets like Fox News that, that yeah, they're conservative. And, yeah, they created all the damage in the world. Nobody gets a pass. But right now they're saying, like, it's over. Joe Biden's president. Like, there's nothing left. And then there are outlets that have totally embraced the conspiracy theory, right? Breitbart's one of those. Breitbart's, like, all in on Democrats stole the election. Mm-hmm. And so it's become a breeding ground over uh the Republican Party doesn't support Donald Trump's efforts to fight voter fraud. They're part of the problem. They've been bought off. The Minion systems paid them off, blah, blah, blah. Uh, um, 
Brian Kemp, the governor of, of Georgia, is now supposedly like the biggest Republican in name only. I mean, he was the Trumpiest of Trump governors. Like there was literally nobody Trumpier. Right. Nobody Trumpier than 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 uh, uh, Kemp. And um, they turned on him because he certified he signed the, the paperwork certifying that that Joe Biden won Georgia, right? So it's creating um, what is essentially sort of bifurcation of the conservative media uh, environment. And then that grassroots, I mean, they've been so conditioned over the last few years to believe all these crazy conspiracy theories that they cannot see reason. They cannot fathom. And they'll say things, stupid things like, how can I, I can't believe that Joe Biden won because nobody went to his rallies and, and Donald Trump had lots of people in his rallies. I mean, that's a, like that's the kind of thinking thinking that passes as sort of logical analysis in that crowd. Right. So they're totally bought in that it's a conspiracy that Dominion systems flip 10 million votes and uh, Republicans clearly <laughs> desperately need the windows to elections. Yeah. If they don't, they are completely in the minority. Democrats have the trifecta. And so everything depends on those two races. And we need to win them too. But if we don't, there's a bit of an out where um, Mitt Romney, Susan Collins, and Lisa Murkowski have already sort of made noises about being a swing vote, right? Like they'll vote for Joe Biden's cabinet nominations as long as they're not too crazy. Um and so on. So there's, there's, there's a hint of a possibility of a working majority for at least base level stuff, like working on COVID. If we get an outright majority, we don't need them anymore. Then we can actually govern. So it'll be 50-50. You know, I'm, <laughs> it'll be tough to get anything too aggressive through, but it'll be, it'll be easier. And I'd rather not depend on Susan Collins because that never worked out well for anybody. So I think they need those two seats more than we need those two seats. And we need those two seats badly. So we are unified. People are excited. Stacey Abrams announced that 750,000 absentee ballot requests had been done. This is this is what, November 24th. We still have another week in November for an election in January. And already 750,000 absentee ballots. Now, for, for context, we need to get to around 2 million votes. And not all those absentee ballots are Democrats, obviously, but they're they were heavily Democratic in the preseason in the first round, in this November third uh, round. And I actually think that Republicans may be even less likely to do absentee ballots because the entire conspiracy theory that the election was stolen is predicated on the idea that somehow mail ballots are fraud, yeah. that they're dirty. So I think a big chunk of those votes are going to be our votes. The question, there's going to be less votes cast in January than were cast in November 3rd. The big question is who's going to suffer the biggest drop off in turnout. And we're united. They're arguing amongst themselves whether they should even vote. So I think we're in a better place than they are. Although I'm still assuming a very close election. Which is interesting because Republicans were better known for voting absentee. This fool has undermined his own party being in the absentee game. I mean, it may have cost him the election. Yeah. And it and, may have, yeah. And then are people listening? So, wait a minute, let me, I don't want to be sure I understood you. Donald Trump Jr. said vote. 
in Georgia. And yes. so you're saying people push back against that on Breitbart? They said no. Yeah, the, the, the common thread, right? And, and there's a big question. How real is this? Um, it could be a bunch of malcontents. It could just be letting off steam after the election. Nothing. I'm not assuming these people are not going to vote. I'm not assuming they're going to stay away. Uh, we assume everybody, they're going to vote. 100%, right? Because we need to get every single one of our votes out. We can't we can't even pretend. But I think there's a good chance that when all the votes are cast that, you know, some of these people may not have voted or will not have voted. And remember, um, Joe Biden won by 12,000 votes out of 4.4 million votes cast right. and change. This is going to be another razor thin election. And so you only need 1% of those people to say, yeah, I'm not going to vote because of the Republicans are in bed with Dominion systems to deny Donald Trump the presidency. Uh, all you need is one, 2% of those people to actually follow through and not vote. And that gives us, that could be the margin of, of victory for us. Like every little, every percent is going to matter turning out every last person we can and every little bit of people that that drop off on the Republican side, that works in our favor. So, Mark, I didn't I I um I didn't know this. I just found this out um, a couple of days ago. But between the November third election and January sixth election, I believe it's January sixth. Fifth. Twenty fifth. Okay. Twenty four thousand Georgians will turn eighteen. Twenty four thousand people who could not vote in November second, but third can vote in the runoff. And there are groups that are really focused on that. And if, as you can imagine, these are younger people. They're predominantly uh, people of color, predominantly black. It's the fastest growing community in in, uh, in uh, Georgia, but also Latino Asians. Uh, and youth, even white youth, are more likely to be Democratic than, than Republican. So there's groups that are really working hard just to identify and register and turn out these 24,000 brand spanking new Voters, so people are looking like, where can we get just a sliver more votes? Like, you know, a few, you know, a few thousand here, a few thousand there, because that's what it may take to win this election in, in January. Do we know how many absentee ballots were cast in Georgia November third? It was. It was. Um, so there's different buckets. There's the early votes. There's the absentee votes. I think all early voting, complete all early voting was 4 million of the 4.4 million. I see you right. I see it. Yeah, I see it now. Of absentee ballots, it was um, it was uh, 1.2 million because Joe Biden got 800,000 of those and uh, Donald Trump got 400,000 of those of absentee. But that's a part of the early vote, not the entire early vote, because you could do in-person vote. Right, right. So, so, so of absentee ballots, it was 1.2, and we're at 760-some thousand as of Tuesday. I don't even know where we are today because of the holiday. Mm -hmm. So Ossoff and Purdue, around 100,000, less than 100,000 votes between them. Um, Warnock and Loeffler... Um, and that vote was split up in a bunch of ways. Warnock came in first about a, about over 350,000 votes ahead of Loeffler. So I see what you mean. We, to be comfortable, we need that absentee ballot request number to go up. And yeah, we it, need a big number 
early voting and um, voting on January 5th. I think, I think early voting starts December 14th, I think. Okay, I don't. I, in fact, I literally just looked at the at the schedule earlier this week, and I totally forgot now. But that sounds right. It's mid December. So, which is a good thing, Marcos, because again, with a special election, when there's a lot of space and too much lag time, people get apathetic. This might be a good thing that this is so close, November to January. It's kind of like, yeah, it, it stays front of mind. I would think. Yeah. Um, I mean, historically, keep in mind, this was done. These runoff elections were done specifically to keep black um, candidates from winning statewide office uh, or any office in Georgia. This is a Jim Crow law. The idea being that you have a split field. You have a Democrat, black Democrat with 47 percent of the vote would have won otherwise. Now he goes to a runoff and he loses. Right. And, and historically, this is exactly what's happened. We keep losing the special elections, I mean, the runoff elections. So we are trying to defeat history here. We're trying to break this historical pattern where our groups of people don't vote. Now, I think it's a different type of election. I, the, the engagement, the awareness, off the charts, right? And there's so much on the line. Um, and then you compare that to the Republican side where you know, they're, all, they're all fighting and accusing each other of being sellouts and, 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 and all that. So it really puts us in a... Um, different ahistorical sort of place. And and the problem has always been that, you know, you have November, then you have Thanksgiving comes in, right? People aren't paying attention to politics. And then you come out of Thanksgiving and then you do Christmas shopping. So everybody's thinking Christmas and holidays and travel. And so you have these January runoffs and like nobody turns out because everybody forgot that there was even a thing called politics because of the holidays. I actually think that this time this is working in our favor and particularly since Trump refuses to engage in the race and they're all sort of fighting each other. So they can't really focus and have that, that unified voice and organization building. But um, what's interesting, what's important to remember though, is that between 2016 and 2020, uh, their vote turnout, Donald Trump's vote turnout increased by over 15%, right? It was, it was, there was 368,000 more people in Georgia just by itself. And he won the state by five points. He should have won by all means, right? Stacey Abrams and all our allied organizations, they turned out 600,000 new Democrats between 2016 and 2020, but they're new voters. And new voters are always tough. But here's the opportunity, though. There is an opportunity. It is well understood in political science circles that once a person votes two elections in a row that you pretty much have locked them in as voters for life. And so here's a great opportunity that you have 600,000 new people voted. If you can make, if you can turn them out in January, that's gonna be a lasting legacy of uh, uh, in Georgia and moving forward towards, you know, being a steady purple state. And eventually I think Georgia is gonna be like, like uh, Virginia and like Colorado that were recently, you know, rel relatively recent red states that became uh, competitive purple states and are now solid blue states. Our, the, the demographics of the state are a blue state and we're working towards that. So getting people to vote twice in a row like that very quickly may actually help us. That's a good, that's, that's definitely a good thing. Um, so Biden has made cabinet appointments. Um, one of the headlines of Daily Coast this week was that how the the market and investors, um, the Dow has gone up as a result. I guess that's a sign of stability. 
Um, how do you feel about about some of his cabinet appointments? Pretty, pretty solid. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, it, it's chill, right? Chill, calm. Uh, there's there's nobody in there that's gonna, uh, you know, upend the system. But there's nobody in there that's gonna burn it down either. It's it's right. calm, competence, steady people. I mean, there's there's I'm not getting the sense of any sort of conservative ideologues, but there's also no firebrand Elizabeth Warren types. I mean, it's just people who are actually going to provide a steady hand. And that's what Joe Biden promised in the primary and in the general election. And I think that's what he's, he's, he's delivering here, which is just a steady hand and steady, competent governance. And, and I'm actually kind of interested in, in how the media is going to deal with this because I saw there was a, uh, I believe she was an NBC news reporter complaining that Biden had spent 45 minutes introducing his new national security team and then didn't take any questions, right? It's like there's 45 minutes of substance. <laughs> why aren't you tweeting about that? What, you're going to ask him? You're going to ask him, why What do you think about Donald Trump not conceding? Yeah. How's that moving anything, right? Like right. either cover what he talks about. Um, so it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting seeing the media sort of revert to old both sides isms and oh Biden won't talk to the media and he won't do this and that when he'll be speaking very clearly through actual policy. Crazy. Right. Not used to that. No. <laughs> Not used to that at all. So so and like you said, no earth shattering picks. There's been a I'm proud of the fact there's been a movement on social media against the speculation around Rahm Emanuel. Oh God, please no. Biden <laughs> cannot do that. Oh. He cannot. Um and and he seems smart enough to know that. I, I'm sure there are enough people around him like, you know, because he didn't yes. bring you anything that's worse. And and as you and I talked years ago, the architect of blue dogism yeah. was Rahm Emanuel. Oh anti-immigrant sentiment. He fueled it. Yeah, he yeah. ruled it. Yeah. Um, yeah, every pick that Joe Biden has made so far has been non-controversial to all wings of the party. It's actually, um, it's it's an, it's a tricky tightrope to walk. I don't think anybody's particularly excited, unless you're really into into technocracy, right? It's like if if you just want a technocratic functioning government, then you're you're excited. But if anybody's an ideologue either from from the left or from even the middle, right? That's still an ideologue, um, ideologues from the middle. Nobody's offended, right? These are all solid picks. They're not earth shattering, but that's what people picked in the primary. I mean, this is this is what we got. And so far, I'm okay with this. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right. I think things are, um, are, are pretty safe. Yeah. Now, these are all people that are capable of doing some real progress administratively with the powers they already have. And that's, I think, when you start judging people. All right now. Yeah, what, um, and, and I've been talking about that um, in a couple of other segments. There are plenty of things that he and they can do. Like you said, even if we don't get the Senate, there are some things that can actually happen. When you have a competent group of people working, when you have people, all they do is tweet and get upset and run around and let Jerry Kushner do anything, then you don't know how to actually implement policy from the White House um, and what have you. We also know that Trump is is burrowing people in some of these agencies. 
I think Biden's even been saying, we're going to root them all out. They're not yeah. people just, just right. out there and continue to be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Trump did the same thing when he took office, right? It was a mass uh, purge. But the difference is that he was purging career careerists, right? People who were just, they knew how to do the job. They weren't political, ideological um, picks. So now we got to root out all hints of Trumpism. I mean, it's just a toxic culture and it's, it's a destructive culture. And obviously you can't have them sabotaging uh, the Biden administration from inside. Yeah. I think it's interesting too. He brought back John Kerry who, who John Kerry must, must have something on all the democratic presidents. Cause he keeps a job. They like <laughs> bring him back, you know, and don't get me wrong. I don't dislike John Kerry, but it's like, dude, <laughs> He's going to be there. I mean, <laughs> if you or I were in the White House, I mean, I, I, we have to pick him, too. Is there something? <laughs> it's in the bylaws. Oh, I didn't realize this is part of the Democratic Party bylaws. First things first. Y'all know you got to pick John Kerry. But why? Don't question it. <laughs> do it. Uh, but actually, I, I, I think the position he's in is good because, you know, he's going to be dealing with, with climate change. That's an issue to be taken seriously, something that. Um, the Trump administration never did and absolutely refused to do. We have the first woman um, in, in, in national security, um, uh, uh, Latinx in, in homeland security. So he's living up to uh, what he said he would do in terms of diversity. And um, to me, this is the beginning of 2024, even this early. Because everything you do is going to be looked at. 2024 will be here before we know it. You know, Trump 2016 to 2020 felt like an eternity. But when it's going well, it's going to go by in a flash. I mean, eight years of Obama, right? Went no. by real quick. And so this guy, Trump talking about running again in 2024, nobody wants that. And, and so I think that these are um, everything that happens now is is preparation for 20 so people can see this is what we did this is actually what happened and i mean i doubt biden will run again he probably shouldn't um but we have to get kamala ready um yeah. and um so everything that happens has to be that way now um the senate seat in your state california yeah. who Will be will they will they have to be a special election for that or just be an appointment to finish the term? How does that? It, it, it would be appointed to finish. Okay. Uh, no, not the term because she still has four years left. So it would be two years and then a special. Um, I believe I could be wrong, um, but I, I actually think there's a real good chance at this point that that Gavin Newsom, Governor Gavin Newsom, might actually have two appointments to make uh, because Diane Feinstein just surrendered her chairmanship of judiciary and which was good because she was under intense pressure. Um, and I'm not sure why she would stick around. I mean, she's already, she's pretty old and um, it really is time. She should not have run for reelection. It's time for a, a, a change of generational change in that seat. Somebody who better represents modern California. She had her, she was, she had her heyday and it's not now. So, um, so there's a good chance. And who could it be? Oh, my God, it's California, right? There's 2,000 <laughs> amazing Democrats. The bench is so deep. It's so deep that I actually, if I'm, if I'm, um, 
if I'm Gavin Newsom, I actually want both those seats because that way you can, tr people are going to be pissed, right. right? No matter who you pick, you know, right. it could be a Latina and then the black community or the gay community is pissed, right? Because um, we have, you know, California is so rich and diverse. So uh, there's going to be uh, a lot of pressure to maintain that diversity, particularly with Kamala Harris being the person who's exiting, right? And, yeah. and she's one of our only two uh, black Democrats in the Senate. So definitely that, but it's also a state that is, uh, that is um, pl plurality Latino, right? And there should be Latino representation. So it's going to be tough for, for Gavin and um, he'll, be, he'll be in a lot better shape if he gets two. And I think the country in general would be in a lot better shape. I mean, there's, like I said, there's so many great Democrats here. Having somebody who's, who's a strident progressive instead of Dianne Feinstein would be a huge upgrade to the Democratic caucus in the Senate. Yeah, you're right, no, because Dianne, and it's funny, it's the little things that take you out, aren't they? She's hugging Lindsay. I mean, and when we, if people have known for a while, come on, Dan. Not just hugging Lindsay, but then saying that that was one of the best hearings she had ever been part of. When Barrett said nothing. Right. Refused right. to answer all questions. Right, right. And, and then you rarely hear Chuck Schumer um, imply publicly that he's admonished a member of his caucus. But he said that. He said he had a real long talk <laughs> with Diane. And I've never heard him say anything like that. So, yeah, I, I think that was. I mean, that's quite a step. It, it was bad. I mean, he undermined. I mean, it wouldn't have made a difference. I think Jamie Harris, uh, Harrison loses anyway, but um, it wasn't helpful. I mean, she, she was just totally clueless to the to the politics of it, to the policy of it, to everything. Out of, just completely out of touch. But I've seen it, man. People, even Democrats, they get in those buildings and they get in that fishbowl on Capitol Hill and they forget who they are. They, 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 they assimilate into the institution, just like prisoners, they become institutionalized. And I've seen it. And the longer you stay, I've seen some very prominent, even African-American Democrats. Well, this is how we do things. See, I'm like, what, what are you talking about? This is not your home. <laughs> you too yeah. comfortable. Uh, with what's going on. So here's a question. Will Marcos Melitzis vie for a Senate seat in California? Hell no. <laughs> kidding me? No way. No way. Okay. Oh my God. Um, no way. I can't imagine. I, I would be a terrible, terrible legislator. Terrible. Really? Yeah, I just... I I like my life. I have a good life. Even here in, in, in uh, you know, I work out. I hang out with my kids. I okay. cruise the internet, read about news. Like, going to hearings and dealing with constituents and everybody hates you. And, and actually, I don't have a problem with everybody hating me. I mean, I guess that's part of my job, being a, a, a writer, a partisan writer. But um, I would be, there would be, I would guarantee you within one week of me being a senator, there would be a YouTube viral clip of me in a hearing asleep with like drool coming out of the side of my mouth. <laughs> Guaranteed. Guaranteed. And, you know, because we see the hearings that are exciting, right? Like Supreme Court justices or impeachment. We don't see the hearings that are like right. pension reform. Right. We don't see those. No, no.
Right. Yeah, so I would, I, I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't last. if I could have any job, I would love to be, um, I would, I would take, like if they said, you can have any job you want in a Biden administration, I would say ambassador to Germany. That I would do. Um, <laughs> okay. That's it. <laughs> There's no plan B. <laughs> and I am not getting ambassador to Germany. So I think I'm safely here in Berkeley. Jeez. I'm not going anywhere. All right. <laughs> well, folks, a special edition of Thursday Coast on this Friday of the holiday weekend. Hope everyone is is still having a safe and healthy holiday weekend. Marcos, uh, best wishes to you and yours. If Thank you, you travel, please quarantine. Please yeah. quarantine if you travel. Do I mean, if you had to go visit family, okay. Um, but don't go spread it if you, you know, whatever you have, don't spread it anywhere else. So, yeah. so at least do that. Yeah. Please be careful, folks. We'll talk to you next week, Marcos. Thank you, buddy. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Talk to you next week. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, subscribe. And wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been Made Plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.